Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here, we have practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. Here's your host, Lillian Kerbick. And that was your other host, Will Romy. Let's talk about money. So the Get Your Money Together cat-filled personal finance workbook is going to be released on tax day, which is April 17th this year. But as a podcast listener, you can be part of the pre-release weekly chapter read-along with money challenges, bonus materials, and even prizes starting right meow to (laughs) sign up for the weekly chapters read-along and get the book or other cat-based personal finance things like merit badge stickers at the pre-order price head on over to ohmydollar.com slash book. I'm really excited about this. We're doing um, the personal finance models of the week, and uh, all of the cats that are in the book have little profiles on them. Oh, my God. And, and the stickers are too cute. The stickers are really cute. Too cute. <laughs> <laughs> so in late 2016, we did an episode on values and budgeting that I actually felt really good about. Um, But the audio engineering had some issues. So with this week being the budgeting week on the Oh My Dollar Get Your Money Together read-along, I thought it might be appropriate to re-record and re-release the show. And we had a listener question that kind of dovetails with it. So we're going to do a re-rebroadcast, kind of. (laughs) Re-rebroadcast. In a new studio, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, yeah. So a lot of folks, when they are looking at budgeting, they hear me talk about the fact that budgeting and values are two things that you have to really consider. And I think what I really want to emphasize is that my budget is not your budget. And while a lot of people think that this has to do with my income or my expenses, the real secret is that budgets have way less to do with money and more to do with values. Like, remember, money is a medium of exchange of value, right? Like, it's not just a pun. So like the other day, a friend found out that I'm researching a new gym and I mentioned I was interested in a mega gym near my house, partially because it has a hot tub. It's compelling. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, wow, I heard mega gym was really expensive. And initially I was shocked because at 39 a month, it was the cheapest gym I was considering. And, you know, for the past year, I've been spending $79 a month on a membership for a fitness thing, which allows me to go to high end fitness classes all over the city. So half of that expense sounded like a really good deal to me. I work out nearly every single day. Some days I take a weekend off. So this is really important to me. I'm a former athlete and coach, and I can design my own fitness program, but I really enjoy fancy classes because I like not having to think about what I do at the gym. Now, this isn't really to sell you on the idea that an expensive gym membership is important for you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get any sort of payout from like the fitness membership. But this is to show you that my budget is completely different than my friend's budget. So a regular fitness program is part of my values. I value my health. I like the community of a tight-knit, smaller studio. When it comes to fitness, I know what works for me, and I'm willing to pay for quality. 
I've made the choice to make my budget reflect my values. I'm willing to spend a little less in other areas, dining out, drinking alcohol, renting a smaller home, not owning a car, in order to splurge on the things that reflect my values. My friend spends $10 a month at a discount gym out in his neighborhood, and he gets a perfectly fine workout. Like, who's to say that we get a a different workout? He probably doesn't get the hot tub. (laughs) He may not get the hot tub. But he also chooses to live in a smaller community that's far enough from his job that he spends one and a half hours a day commuting in a car. That's a choice he's made because he wants a certain kind of home for his family. His values of family and community have led him to a different budget. He wants to live in a smaller community for his children and wants to have a larger house for his hobby projects and his family. Both my friend and I are making trade-offs in our budget. He's willing to drive and own a car. I'm not. I choose to live really close to my job, and I share a small apartment, which means I don't need to own a car. The average American car payment is $364 a month, and I'm happy to allocate my dollars elsewhere. While my friend was floored by $80 a month on fitness classes, I wouldn't want to spend every day commuting in a car. This isn't a value judgment on either of us. This is about what I want to get out of my money to reflect my values, and what he wants to get out of his budget to reflect his values. The basic tenet of budgeting is you do you. What you're going to start learning as you budgeting is that no one else can budget for you. Following someone else's money plan won't make you happy. If it doesn't have your goals and your values as a plan, you're not going to succeed. If you want to spend your money on sparkly unitards and platform boots, but cut back on the amount you spend on entertainment, dining out, or even groceries, that's okay. There's literally no such thing as a perfect budget. My budget might make you feel deprived in some areas and wasteful in others. Money is an exchange of value. And for you to really rock your budget, you need to actually think about your values. That's why it's so important. You do you. Now, this is where we dovetail into the listener question. I had a listener, Emily, write in. And she asked, like, okay, so you talk about values and budgeting, but how does this work when you have a partner? Like, obviously... Right. It's great if the ideal budget matches your values. But what if you're sharing with a partner or a co-parent? What do you do then? How do you budget? Mm. <laughs> um, and I I think that this is a really important question because um, most of us at some point have another person involved in our money. If a parent, a co-parent, a, you know, a partner, um, even just roommates that share expenses. Right. There's a right. point there's a point at which there's some negotiation that comes in. And first off, I think leading a discussion of values and goals is a really excellent way to ground a discussion about money. Um, Money can be such a heated and emotional topic for couples, but if you frame the discussion around your shared goals and values, not only can it kind of make it more exciting and less stressful, right? Because you're you're talking about things that you want to work towards, things that are exciting to you. It can also help bring the focus back to what's important instead of like quibbling over an extra $10 on popcorn or whatever at the movie theater. It can help drive drive a really valuable discussion that can then come back to the numbers. So it can also help you get at why you're choosing to make hard decisions. Um, You know, I've said before that if you're just working to pay off debt because someone has told you that you should work to pay off debt, you're probably not going to get that motivated. You have Mm. to think about what you what you want out of that. You want, you know, more flexible income so you can go down to part time at work or you want to be able to save up for travel. Um, You want the, you know, albatross of having debt hanging around your neck to be gone. Like Mm. there's a bunch of reasons that are rooted in your values that you 
you know, might want. Less abstract than the numbers that yeah, you're representing yeah. less them with. A, less abstract than just like someone told me I should pay off my debt, <laughs> right? Um, and and when you're working with a partner, especially if one of you is naturally a spender and one of you is naturally a saver, quite often those um, opposites kind of attract with a partner and you can end up butting heads. And this can be especially true if you're no longer romantically involved with your co-parent, but you have to make decisions about your kids and finances and you realize like maybe you don't have exactly the same values, but you have these humans that you're in charge of yeah. together, right? <laughs> that you you want to raise with some sort of set of values. Um, but having a discussion around your shared goals and values can help drive those hard decisions. So like choosing to cut back on cable or restaurants or even something really drastic like moving in with family members to save money in order to pay off debt or be able to afford private school for your kids. You know, whatever is something that is rooted in your core values, having the discussion about your values ahead of having a discussion about the numbers can be really, really helpful. I also think it's important when framing discussion about money and values with your partner, it's really important to lean into the idea that it's okay if some of your goals aren't exactly the same. It doesn't mean that you're going to like break up or that everything's terrible or that, you know, you're going to be absolutely miserable. You just have to find ways to compromise. Um, this we've talked before about why I, some couples that I know that are have very successful like romantic relationships keep their money separate because they realize that um, having separate you know, finances actually is better for their relationship. Hmm. Um, a smaller version of that is making sure that each of you have slush money in the budget for whatever the thing is that you maybe don't have the exact same goals as your partner in. So, you know, a great example is like a couple I know where one of them is re really into swing dancing, which swing dancing can be a cheap hobby. It can get really expensive, though, if you're, you know, traveling to workshops over the weekend or, you know, buying nice shoes or whatever you need. Um, <laughs> Gotta have those dancing shoes. Right. <laughs> hey, it's important. <laughs> um, but one of them is really into swing dancing. And then the other is really into taking hunting trips. Neither of them want to do what the other wants to do. Um, There's not much of a happy medium between those. Right. Swing, swing hunting. <laughs> swing hunting. Oh, that sounds very dangerous. Yeah. Um, and both of them just get their own slush money in the budget that they manage themselves. So they're each allowed a certain amount of money that the other makes no judgment about. Um, and and it's based in the idea that they each have values that they want to pursue on top of that. And then they have their shared goals. And their shared goals are, you know, saving up for a down payment on a house. Um, but the advantage of having that slush money that's for each of you is that it kind of helps... Um, separate the discussion of the trade-off of that hobby versus the whatever the shared goal is. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So each person sort of has their own specific resources they're, they can allocate yeah, as well. They're yeah, they're guilt-free money. Um and uh you know, and this this also comes back to like it it can seem very like I spend like a fair amount of money on clothing compared to my partner. My partner seems to be able to get away with three pairs of jeans and like five sweatshirts. And I have no idea. You don't have to wash jeans or sweatshirts. That's the key. <laughs> Versus like, I know because I have a giant spreadsheet of all my clothing. I owned 204 pieces of clothing. Uh, to be Counting socks? Counting. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't own a lot of socks, but I own a lot of stockings um, and tiny hats. A lot of tiny hats. <laughs> and and like that is probably five times or more the amount of clothing that my partner owns. Um, and, you know, I'm not like a, I don't spend a crazy amount of money on clothing, but I, I spend a, a multiple of my partner on clothing. If we 
if we were to judge those as, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, it wouldn't look fair that my clothing budget is so much bigger. However, my partner spends a lot of money on electronics. I have a six-year-old laptop. Like, you know, those those kind of considerations, those are where the values, it's really important. Like, we have a lot of shared values and goals with our budget, um, but we also recognize where we diverge. Um, hmm. And th- this also comes down to shared housing, right? Like, this is a basic economist kind of example, but, like, splitting rent doesn't have to be done equally if your finances are separate, if you're making compromises in housing. You could split your rent differently, your rent or your mortgage differently based on income levels. You could do it based on housing preferences. So uh, my partner thinks it's really important that we have a dishwasher and a washer dryer in the apartment. I enjoy those things. I benefit from them. (laughs) But I would much rather pay slightly less in rent and not have them. Because of that, my partner pays slightly more rent than me hmm. um, because that's our compromise. In that seems order like to... a good way to do it. I've always done by a, a, a combination of square footage and uh, just rooms. but Yeah, and that works well in a roommate situation. Um, and you can, there's tools for this for roommate situations like uh, split wise and stuff like that that will actually help you calculate out. You can assign a value to like, this person has a balcony in this room. This person has a closet, but this person has to use a wardrobe okay. and like square footage, huh. you know, like all sorts of values. Uh, in economics, this is what I actually did my thesis on. This is called hedonic analysis, oh, which, I like is, it. which is actually like a bundling of all of the um, hedonics. Analyzing your hedonism. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I, it's been a while since I thought about the fact that hedonics comes from hedonism. But yes, that is totally it's it's what that contributes to your own happiness. Hmm. Um And so I think it's important to realize that it is okay if you don't have all the exact same shared values and goals. But what you do is you find a way to separate those out from the common core goals and realize that there's trade-offs for either of you. One of the advantages of doing these kind of compromises is it lets you talk about those shared values and goals that you do have. So education for your kids, dream of taking time off to travel the world, wanting to buy a house. Um, Any of these things can be an essential way to both compromise and work towards a shared goal. So those are some of the things that come into play when you're looking at values and budgeting. Um, Unfortunately, when it comes to relationships, you have to communicate. You can't just silently resent your partner for spending more money on XYZ thing and think it will work out. Aggressively edit the spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And uh, I, I think that one of the places where I see this break down a lot of the time is if one partner is naturally a saver and they just absolutely hate the idea of spending money on anything and the other partner is a spender. And that's where I think slush funds, where judgment-free slush funds can really, really come in handy. And then that saver partner really works on the advantages of actual judgment-free slush funds. Right, right. (laughs) And like recognizing that like silently resenting it doesn't work out as well. I'm naturally a saver and prefer saving. So I I understand out there. You're on that side, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear about what some of your core values and things that you're working on in your budget, especially if you're going through Get Your Money Together read along, but just generally, what are some values and negotiations that you use in determining your budget? Um, You can always write us in at podcast at ohmydollar.com or questions at Mm ohmydollar.com. Or what your challenges are splitting things. Yeah. I'd love to hear about the way you split expenses. And if it works or if it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> New ways to passively <laughs> judge things. Yeah. Exactly. Anyways, that wraps our show for today. 
Our producer is Will Romy, and our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. I'm Lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. Oh My Dollar is still a weekly podcast, so you do not need to wake up at 7.30 a.m. to hear the show. Check us out on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review, please.